Would you open your Bible, please, to Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, the fourth verse. May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit here today. We thank Thee that this song is so true. Our hearts are bent to sin. We're prone to wandering away from the God of the Bible and the God who has saved us from sin. We're prone to turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit who woos us and warns us not only to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, but to go and patiently win those who are lost to Christ. May thy spirit have full sway today and touch those who are in this place and who are under the sound of our voice by radio who are without Jesus. Draw them to Christ, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine with me, if you will, this morning. I am over in the Smoky Mountains. And I'm walking through some of the cliffs and precipices and around some of the crooked trails up near Newfoundland Gap. And all of a sudden, I look over and see another man and he has a white cane in his hand. And he's putting the cane out in front of him as he walks along. And immediately I recognize that he's blind and he cannot see. And I watch him as he goes here and there. And, and then I watch him as he heads toward a precipice. And he walks closer and closer to that precipice. And all along, the white cane down in front of him, guiding away. And then he comes to that precipice and his white cane, there's nothing to touch and he loses it and it falls down the precipice. And I knew, I know that unless I speak to warn that man, he's going over that precipice into certain death. And I see him, he says, oh, in my old age I've gotten clumsy and I've lost my stick. And he he starts to bend down to get that cane and he loses his balance and tumbles down. I'm guilty of murder if I do that. By simply keeping silent, I am guilty of that man's death. And any fair jury that would try me would acknowledge that by my silence, by my not doing anything to rescue that blind man, I am guilty of his death. In Psalm 142, verse 4, the psalmist cries out, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. We're living in an age when men think mostly of themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land today and find men and women and boys and girls afraid. They're afraid to go on. They're afraid to fight for their existence. 
and they look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them and they cry out from their soul, no man cares. No man cares whether I live, whether I die, whether I go to heaven, whether I go to hell. No one really cares. Has it ever dawned on us what it means to be lost? Lost might be spelled this way, L, lights out. O, outside of God's will and God's pale of faith and safety. The S, sin, has taken its toll so that it has blinded the man that's outside of the ark of safety. And the T, the tragic destiny of hell. What does it mean for a man to be lost? It means, first of all, that the lights are out in his life. Over in Philippians chapter 2, the Scripture says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. That we may be blameless and harmless, the children of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights. This is a dark world. The only way you can get a real picture of how dark the world is is to fly at night in an airplane. And you fly over the vast areas where there are no lights, over in the mountain areas and some other areas. And then you come to an area where there's a city and you see all the bright lights beaming up and their reflections upon the clouds there's light there and then you go on and on and you fly perhaps over the vast darkness of the ocean and you see how dark it is as God looks down that's how dark the world is men who are lost are lost because the lights the light of Christ is out in their life and they do not know the Lord they do not know the light. They cannot see the way. They are without hope and without God in this world. And they look on their right hand and on their left and they cry out, refuge fails me. No man cares for my soul. Years ago, I visited a man named Wilkinson. He lived out in the edge of town. He's not living today. He lived in an old house that looked like it hadn't ever been painted. Somebody had given me his name. I do not remember who it was. And I walked up to the path and he lived alone. I knocked on his door and he opened the door and I could see sort of a sparkle in his eye as he thought somebody has come to see me. And I told him who I was, and I sat down with him and told him about Jesus. Old Mr. Wilkinson said, Sir, you're the first person that has come to visit me in 10 years. Now, I could hardly believe that. It was out in an out-of-the-way place. He said, you, you're the first person that I have, other than some of my family that have been to see me in 10 years. And he said, this thing you tell me about Jesus' love, he said, I... I wish I could believe that. But he said, Sir, the lights of love went out in my life long ago, and nobody has loved me 
for years and years and years. Nobody really loves me. And I tried to show him from this blessed book that God loved him. And he said, no, God couldn't love me. And he recited some of the sins of his life and some of the sins of his youth, some of the cheap, tawdry things of which he had been guilty. And he said, you see, nobody loves me and God doesn't love me. The light was out in his life. I went back to see that man a number of times. And on the last trip I was there, he was very weak and he was dying. He opened his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he did, that sparkle that I'd seen the first day I went to think that somebody had come to see him, that sparkle went into a glow. And he said, sir, it's hard for me to believe, but you've come and come and come to tell me from that book that God loves me. He said, I believe it now. I believe it. And I receive him. A few days later, he died. He never got to church. He was never able to be baptized, but he received the light of life. Men who are lost today are lost because the light is out in their life. The light of lights, the light of love, the light of care, the light of concern, it's out. And we're under a mandate from the Scripture. Go and shine as lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Secondly, men who are outside of Christ today are, are lost. And that word O stands for being outside of the pale of safety, outside of Christ Jesus, outside of the faith, the ark of faith that buoys them up to heaven. They're outsiders to God. They're outsiders to home. They're out in the darkness and the disaster and the tragedy of sin. They're out there away from God and away from home. Have you ever been an outsider? Have you ever gone someplace and everybody knew each other and everybody seemed to be having a good time and you felt like you were an outsider? You ever had that experience? The Bible says that the man outside of Christ is an outsider. And he feels it keenly and he doesn't know how to get on the inside, though he would really like to get on the inside. And yet somehow he doesn't have that motivation, he doesn't have that drive, he doesn't have what it takes to get on the inside. And the Bible says the reason he doesn't, doesn't have that is because there is bound up in his life a bent to sin, a proneness to wandering away from God. That's the meaning of the song the choir sang a while ago. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Because it is the, it is the, the bent to sin. It is that thing inside of us that gets us out of God's fellowship that drags us down, down, down to an eternal separation from God in a place Jesus called hell. The Bible says that is the basic makeup of man. There is a philosophy today that says that man is pretty good, that he has something good inside of him, and if you place him in the right environment, you give him the right education, you give him the right house to live in and the right kind of clothes to wear, you give him a good job, and you train him and you school him, 
that that thing that's good inside of him will begin to blossom and grow and pretty soon he'll be somebody for God. The scripture knows nothing of any philosophy like that. On the other hand, the scripture says that man is basically a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. A man outside of Christ is helpless to help himself back to Christ. He cannot come because bent up inside of him, he is chained. He is incarcerated. He is in bondage. And the only thing that can break the incarceration, the only thing that can break the bondage, the only thing that can break the chains is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanseth from all sin. And who will go to those men to break that bondage? The angels would like to, but they can't. The seraphs, the cherubs would like to go. I think if, if there was an invitation in heaven for people, for all of the created beings of God to become instant soul winners and to go to the earth and awaken men from their trespasses and sins, they would file out of heaven by the thousands the angels of God, but God says, no, you can't do that because you've never been redeemed. You don't know what it means to be redeemed. You don't know what it means to be chained in sin. The only people who can do this are those who have already had that bondage broken inside of them. And it becomes like a chain reaction when the bondage is broken from you and the chains have fallen and the fetters have fallen from you, then you are to go and loose the chains from another by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said one day, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to everyone who believes. The fuse that ignites the dynamo of God in a man's life is the fuse of faith and that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we're under a terrible mandate to go to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. If we work upon marble, it will perish. If we work upon brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work upon immortal souls and imbue them with just principles and the fear of God and the love of their fellow men, and we tell them of Jesus the mighty to save and we give them the blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin, we engrave on those tablets that which will brighten all eternity. I've known men through reading, through studying art. I, I've known of men who have spent all of their years working in marble, working in stone, working in all the different things by which they make statues and they leave behind them their imprint in the rocks and the stones and the marble of this world. And we stand before them. I, I stood in Athens and saw some of the great statues. And over in Rome, there are statues everywhere from that ancient Roman civilization. 
and even down at Caesarea by the sea, there's a statue of an ancient Greek god that was planted there during the time when Paul was preaching. And I think of the men that must have spent endless hours sculpturing, pouring their lives into those, that marble and rock. And then I think of men like Paul, who could have been the Aristotle or the Socrates of his day, who said, I see Jesus. And Jesus has become the sumum bonum of my life. Saul of Tarsus, Paul the missionary, who could have been the great writer of his day, instead of giving himself to the Roman Greek mythology, and instead of giving himself in agnostic thought, writing all the questions of the universe and wondering how you could ever get answers, Paul went to the source. He went to the fountain and got a deep drink of the water of life, and then he went out everywhere giving his life, sculpturing men, pouring his life into changing men so that the whole Christian world today and that is every place that is civilized because every place where the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached, there has come enlightenment and civilization. And if you'll take a map of the world and you will mark every nation that is prosperous, every nation that has enlightenment, every nation that has a, an advanced stage of civilization, you'll notice that that advancement has come as the Christian gospel of Christ has been preached. And in those dark areas and those nations that are not advanced and are backward and are poverty-stricken, it is places where the gospel of Christ has been withheld or rejected. Men are lost because they're outside the pale of faith. And we have not gotten them the gospel. terrible thing to be lost, a tragic thing to be lost. I read that during the World War II, in the dark days of that war, there was a, an aircraft carrier out in the Atlantic. There were six planes on that aircraft carrier. They took off for a mission, and they were gone long hours. In the meantime, dusk came, and then night. The aircraft carrier picked up on the radar an enemy ship. The captain ordered a blackout of the ship. All the lights went out. The enemy ship couldn't see them. After a while, one by one, those planes that had gone out on the mission came back, and they radioed in, though they couldn't see the ship, and you were in the right area by radio, and they radioed in. Would you turn the lights on so we can come in for a landing? And the word came back, there's an enemy ship been sighted and we're in blackout. Another plane came, would you turn on just a few lights so we can see the land? The word went back, there's an enemy ship sighted and we've ordered a total blackout. Another voice came over the radio from a third plane, would you just turn on one light, just one light at the front of the, of the ship and we'll guide ourselves in, just one light. The word came from the ship. 
total blackout because enemy ship has been sighted. Break radio control and contact. Those six planes flew around in the North Atlantic. After a while, ran out of gasoline and went down, never to be heard of again. Because the lights were out. There was a blackout. And they were lost. There was no light to point them the way. You and I are lights in the world. We're luminaries. And unless people can see by us, unless we give the light of life, they'll go stumbling off into the utter darkness of an eternity, eternity separated from God. The S in lost stands for sin. Sin that has blinded the eyes of men. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Sin has blinded men. Those who are here without Christ today and those who are within the sound of my voice today are just as if you had a blindfold across your eyes. And you may think that you see, and you may be having a good time doing what you're doing, but the Bible says that the God of this world hath blinded your eyes so that you cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And listen, you and I who know Christ have the rare, glorious privilege of going up and pulling blindfolds from men's eyes, loosing them so they can see, so the glorious light of Christ can shine into their hearts and minds. That's what it means to win the loss to Christ. I looked on my right hand and on my left, refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Blindfolded, they go on and on, blinded by the God of this world. Is it not worth some time to come and study how to win the loss to Christ? Is it not worth some time, week by week by week, to go out into this dark world and pull blindfolds from men's eyes and give them the message of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that can cleanse them from all sin? The last of that word, lost. T, I think it stands for the tragedy of hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. And now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, Beside us and you there is a, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they who would pass from here to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from there. The awfulness of hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is an eternal place. Hell is banishment from God. Hell is a suffering fire. Hell is a place of memory. Hell is a place filled with the most motley, wicked crew that ever existed. Hell's a place 
where there are murderers and thieves, whoremongers and rapists and wicked, sin-filled men who have never repented of sin. I heard somebody tell me the other day, preacher, I'll just go to hell where all my friends are. And I shuddered when I thought that dear man had no idea what hell was like or he would never say he's going to hell where all of his friends are because there are no friends in hell. Everybody in hell is your enemy. Everybody in hell is out for himself. Everybody in hell is unsatisfied and miserable and wretched and their memory reminds them if they ever heard the gospel of Christ, it reminds them they had an opportunity and they failed it. Now I want to ask you, isn't it worth a little bit of embarrassment? Isn't it worth a little bit of overcoming your timidity? Isn't it worth a little bit of your time from your television? Isn't it worth a little bit to go and pound on somebody's door and remind them that there's a hell that's coming if they don't trust Christ as Savior? Isn't it worth it? I looked on my right hand and beheld, but refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I'm afraid there are lots of people that can say that to us or about us. No man cares. But I want to tell you, somebody does care. Somebody does care. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Somebody cares. And you know, God so loved that he gave Jesus. And God bound up in Jesus all there was of him. And when he sent Jesus into the world, he said, Whosoever will honor the Son, I will honor him. Whosoever will receive the Son, I will receive him. Whosoever will believe upon the Son, I will honor and love him and give him eternal life. For the Son, he that loves the Son loves the Father. I read the story of a very wealthy man who had a son in his old age. His wife died in the childbirth. And that son hired, that father hired a housekeeper to come and take care of his son, take care of the house. And through those early childhood years, that housekeeper met the needs of that little child. And in the junior years, that housekeeper met the heart needs of that little child and tried to help him. And in teenage years, that housekeeper stood by and prayed for that son. Then when the son was 21 years old, the father died of a heartbreak. Heartbreak over his wife and heartbreak because his son was suddenly killed in a wreck. The lawyers came in and couldn't find any will. The wealthy man had a great house and lots of money and a large farm, and they couldn't find a will. And so the state took it over. And they agreed on a day to have a sale at the house. Crowds came. That housekeeper, who was now an older person, didn't have any money. She had worked for that man for years, and she didn't have any money. She was put out. And 
But she heard about the sale, and she had spent 21 years in that hole, and she decided she wanted to go. So there's a picture of that boy that hangs on the wall over the staircase. I'd like to have that picture if I could get it. So she went to the sale, and all the big antiques were sold, auctioned off, and all the things were sold, and finally that boy's picture was there, and the auctioneer held it up, and nobody wanted it. And finally, that lady bought it for 40 cents. She took it home, and looked at it, and put it up on her wall. That boy that she had poured so much of her life into. After she had had it a few weeks, and maybe a month or so, she decided she wanted to clean it. It hadn't been cleaned for a while. She took it down, gently took all of the things out. And as she took the backing out of that picture, she found some papers. And on that paper was written this statement. And it was signed by a lawyer. This is my last will and testament. Whoever loves my boy enough to buy that picture receives my entire estate. She took it to the lawyer. The lawyer vouched that that was it, but they could never find that will, and they'd never seen it. But he vouched that he had signed that, that it was real. And that woman got the whole estate because she loved the boy. Now, God so loved this world that he wrapped up in Jesus Christ all of the love of God and all of the inheritance of heaven and everything imaginable. And God says, he that loves my son, I will love him. And I will come into him and make my abode with him. And he that does not love my son, I will not love him. And he will not be my son. You and I who are saved have that message. We can go tell it. If you're here today without Jesus, you've never been saved. Christ deals with your heart today. He wants victory inside of you. It is not his will that you live a defeated, dwarfed life. You can come to him as you will if you'll come just as you are. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we pray today that thou wilt put upon the hearts of everyone within the sound of our voice the importance of taking that message out to the lost of the world to turn on lights and to give men and women the inheritance of heaven through the son jesus christ we pray that those who are here today who have never been saved will come to trust christ as their savior today May thy will be done in these next moments. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. We're singing God's invitation. Keep in mind that this is the invitation of the Lord, not mine. I'd like to request that no one leave during the singing of this hymn. If you're here without Jesus, you need to come to him, trusting him, putting your faith in him, and loving him as your Savior and Lord. He's the only way to heaven. If you've already been saved privately in your heart, you need to come today and let the church know it. He that confesseth me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. You need to come today to follow Jesus and believer's baptism. Would you do that? Maybe you're already a member of some other church and God wants you at Glendale. Would you come today and move your letter to this church? Our clerk will write for it. 
You do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And make it a spiritual commitment, saying, Lord, here's my life. I lay it on the line for thee in unconditional surrender. If God has spoken to you about winning lost souls to Christ, maybe you ought to come saying, I haven't been the soul winner ought to be, but I want to be for Christ's sake. While we begin to sing, we'll step out first quickly for the King. Will you come?